Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Italian time is here. That's right, we're talking about 1981's The Fan on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Old Broadway. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we talk about horror characters in the order in which they die. And um, that's practically going to have to be abandoned with the exception of one old man in a theater uh, because barely anyone dies of their injuries in this movie. Uh, This, uh, of course, can only be conducted uh, with one person that I trust. And uh, she is the one person that I trust. That um, if I need to, <laughs> really should have written this down ahead of time. Um, Gina, what would I trust you to do <laughs> in the basis of this movie? Uh, throw away all the, all the hoardy letters you get from your fans. Oh, yeah. That would be neat. Um, <laughs> I haven't had a good horny letter in a while. This is not an invitation. But there was... <laughs> A period of time in 2018 where we seemed, I, as the keeper of the emails, got a lot of horny emails. Um, That stopped. Uh, I've become unsexy with familiarity, I assume. Um, Gina, before we go any further and talk about this, this is really a a three-pronged attack because there were two people who were desperate to cover this motion picture. One would be you. And the other one is our very special guest. That's right. We are not alone. She is a returning champion. And she is also our resident Julian Sands expert. The one, the only Megan Sunday. How are you doing today, Megan? I am doing great. I wish Julian Sands was in this movie, but he's not. (laughs) I mean, he was a dancer, right? Wouldn't he fit right in here? Put him in a a, spangled zoot suit. (laughs) Put him in an incomprehensible musical. Yeah. To see a lot of rib meat on him. I'd love that. <laughs> see, we need to, we need to, we need to tell the truth here. Megan and I basically bullied you into doing this movie. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you bullied you were, me. You were indifferent. You were, indif- you were indifferent to it at best. <laughs> I, it's one of those movies. And I'll admit this, that, um, I always forget that there's a moment in the movie that takes my breath away. And I go, oh, that's why people love this movie. And then I get back into it. But it's late in the film when that happens. There are lots of things that I like along the way. But no, it's it's not something that immediately comes to top of mind. But that being said, it's got some moments in there that'll just blow your wig back. Oh, <laughs> And it's and it's so far the the only movie we've covered that has a ten minute Broadway dance number. <laughs> oh my god! And, and it's oh. that beautiful kind of well, we're writing this for a movie, mm-hmm. so I guess we'll just throw whatever we want at this. It's a similar thing to in Beaches when Bette Midler has like her big performance, and you're like, what is this play? <laughs> <laughs> This is the same thing, which makes some of the the audience sequences great because there's a couple of shots of James Garner that I don't think he knew the camera was on him. Oh no, there there's <laughs> one shot that I will post when when this episode airs, which you see Hector Elizondo give a look like, uh, are they recording this? <laughs> is this part of the movie? This is a mistake. 
this, this doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> and his early, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, New York City, which I love in yeah. a movie. And it's yeah. grime, and it's grimiest. So grimy. I mean, uh, all metal trash cans in front of people's homes constantly. It must have smelled terrible. <laughs> And much like my complaint was with the film, one of the complaints I had with the film, Wonder Woman 1984, so white. Yeah. <laughs> the whitest New York City's ever been, particularly in the early 80s, much like Wonder Woman 1984 was the whitest Washington, D.C. has ever been. Yeah, in the midst of a time when go-go music would have been all the rage. Yeah. Uh, there's just nary a, a Black person in sight. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Wonder Woman 1984 because... <laughs> That no, would be yeah. its own discussion. Yes. No, no. We're here to talk about 1981's fan, which I learned upon this rewatch that I had watched half of it before and taken notes. So when I combined the notes, this is the most notes I've taken for any film that we have covered. <laughs> Are they all about Griffin Dunn? Partly <laughs> is. And I discovered that Griffin Dunn was in the background twice now. So look at him. Look at, I mean, to think that this is the same year that he's an American werewolf in London. He owed someone and, a favor. His dad was like, you got to be in this movie. Lauren Bacall is in it. <laughs> Listen, just get near Lauren Bacall. Yeah. I need to have lunch with her. Yeah, exactly. Like slipped a note in her pocket. <laughs> Call my dad. Yes. <laughs> he gave it to Maureen Stapleton. <laughs> this movie is a bevy of, of background players. Which, They're like you're in this movie because it was a time when they would have just grabbed these people before mm -hmm. they were real stars. So we'll come across them along the way. The other thing that I discovered about uh, this motion picture was that it was based on a book. Yes. Which I looked into trying to get, but they don't have it on Kindle, which come mm. on, Bob Randall, what are you, come on, who's in charge of this for you? I'm not ordering a paperback of that. And I own and some bad paperbacks, but I'm not ordering <laughs> the paperback of this. It's epistolatory, meaning that it's all uh, written as if it is in letters or in journals, like Dracul. <laughs> and you can tell that there are entire passages of this movie that they have lifted whole cloth from the book and just slapped into the middle of a motion picture <laughs> as if it will keep your attention. Well, I mean, there's some great stuff that he says in his letters. This Those are true. some letters. Yeah. <laughs> He's really putting it all out there on the page. Yeah. We never really get her journal entries, which I think is somewhat unfair. He's the one who's stuck in the VO booth. But we also get to see him, you know, take a shower. <laughs> we get to see him do a lot of things. There's a lot of close ups of his lips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I will, I do have to say here that this is partially how I initially discovered this movie was just Gina watching it, I think. Or someone mentioned it on Twitter, maybe. And I said, Oh, do you know what this movie is? And she was like, Megan, <laughs> <laughs> do yourself a favor right now and watch this movie. And so mm -hmm. I did. I was like, Gina, you saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of a DJ saving your life tonight, it was Marvin Hamlish and Tim Rice. Yeah, Tim Rice. I Tim mean, that's the <laughs> Rice. All up in combining powers with the songmeister Marvin Hamlish, who I primarily <laughs> knew uh, growing up as the person who would play piano near Miss Piggy. 
I didn't really know what his <laughs> job was. Like they did a they did an amazing job of writing music that sounded like parodies of their own music. Yeah. <laughs> it's first and, drafts, something that they would go back to if they were paid more and finish. And I feel like the the rehearsal moments are actually well done with like all the dancers have clearly been there for six hours mm. already sweaty. And yes. Lauren Bacall shows up like, hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm not a dancer or a singer, but oh, thank you for being here. Evident. That is evident. <laughs> like these people have, they have jobs to get to later. <laughs> Please yeah, I'm trying to think of like this, the plot of this play she's in. It's apparently... <laughs> how incredibly sexy this 60 year old woman is <laughs> which is true oh she's not bad looking just, i don't know, know why a, we have to hear her sing about it that's a thin soup for a musical right, i mean let's let's okay. let's walk back the term sing because what she's doing here is a classic talk sing but not and even she, particularly well she's no. no rex harrison but she, it is the only musical that I can think of that puts in energy crisis into the <laughs> lyrics of the song. <laughs> and we get to hear it over and over again because this play also, or this musical features a lot of faux ass slapping. It's a lot of the choreography is ass slap based. And I like that it happens at a point in the movie where even... Douglas, the titular fan, is kind of over the whole Sally experience. So even he isn't enjoying himself. No. He when just he, he he kind of looks like he's starting to pass a kidney stone because he, <laughs> he's like, you know, sweating and squirming and, and I'm like Where did I he get a tuxedo? I yeah, he looks like he's uh, he looks like he's going to prom. <laughs> he does. I mean it is very wide lapeled. This guy has <laughs> essentially become a homeless. We already know he didn't have a lot of money to begin with. And now he's living in a, in a flea bag motel. And he just dons this, you know, uh, spotless tuxedo to go out. And he has bought a ticket. Yeah. And- well, you know, he did like, like decide he wasn't going to watch most of the show. <laughs> he like, he like <laughs> shows he up bought, for the like, last a song. Ticket. He yeah. shows up for a late, the last number. In the entire show. I love that we're just talking about the end. We uh, could, if we wanted to, just discuss the last 20 minutes. <laughs> well, of I want to, I also, yeah, I had to leave the rest. I had to point out that this also has one of my favorite, you sure you don't want to do a second take on that moments where, <laughs> where Michael Bean, Bean is coming down the stairs and uh-huh. he, he slides a little bit. Like, like, like Patrick, I'm sure you, you put on dress shoes and, and the bottoms haven't been scuffed yet. So you'll slide a little bit, you know, if you're walking across a marble floor, you got to be careful. He definitely does that. And they just left it in there. Yeah. Like a Jason Voorhees, he just slips on his own fish juice um, (laughs) and he gets a little whoopsie out of it. He recovers because, um, I didn't make it all the way through the uh, the commentary uh, for this. Disc. There's commentary. <laughs> There's oh my god! Commentary. Who's from it? From this whom? Is... <laughs> I I can't remember. Because what I understand, I do know that filmmaker David Dakota. And this is the only time you'll hear hear me quote the man on this podcast. But he referred to Michael Bean as mint condition in this. <laughs> And motherfucker, he is right. He's correct. Oh, yeah, he is. He is gorgeous. Oh my god, he's so hot. <laughs> he's 
both hot, but also a little bit like a fetus they trained to walk around. He's a little too because <laughs> well, you're, you're used to seeing you're you're like most people. Your first exposure to him was probably either playing uh, Reese or or Hicks, right? And yeah. he's kind of you know he's kind of you scrubbly and stubbly and dirty yeah. and sweaty. And <laughs> yeah, he's he's walked on some skeletons at that point and and fought with lasers uh, and seen some bugs, and so he's a bit more world weary he's, he's in got those a, roles. He's got a faceful acid, you know. Yeah. This is this is this is before he got the faceful acid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he is he is prime baby. And yeah, th- this is one of those th- th- this is one of those villains that gives me capital F feelings. Yeah. <laughs> he should have bought a lucite frame for that picture of Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> a gorgeous lucite frame. Lucite frame. <laughs> I want it to be one of those three D pictures that you could order that they always advertise for you on like Instagram oh, yeah. at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's three D from every angle. <laughs> you can always see her picking up that coke from the side of the road as she crosses the border into mexico sure <laughs> my favorite part of the background of this movie is just it's so it's so refreshing to see since it's lauren bacall they could just use her own pictures mm-hmm. and they don't have to badly like they didn't even photoshop you know like tape face over somebody else's head next to ronald reagan or something there was true she was just like oh no like just just find whatever you can they from do my own say, they do save that for james garner who yes. is 12 years is her junior but it doesn't i mean why would i fucking care uh she's lauren bacall yeah you want to <laughs> if i'm james garner i want to get with that too but you can also tell like there's a distance between the style of the fashions they're wearing. There's that one yeah. photo that Michael Bean stares at and stares at and stares at. <laughs> and you can clearly tell that Garner is wearing a 1963 tuxedo and she is in the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, these things do not match. Uh, they are not stylistically the same. Their whole um, relationship is so weird. I don't. Uh, why are and, they best friends? But they want to. F- no, fuck? no, no. They, they, they think they're they're a couple, and then they split up and decide to become friends, and then they fart around for an hour and a half, figuring out they're still in love or not. Yeah, but, I mean, he literally close, is like, uh, "Oh yeah, I'm in town filming a movie, and I brought my new fiance <laughs> at their super lunch. awkward lunch." Yeah, let's have the a lunch where we're both on the same side of the table so the director doesn't have to get coverage. So he just plants it on a tripod and focuses at these people all the while they're eating their Waldorf salads. It's just... Um, they, they spent all their time doing, like, just the big shots of Michael Bean running across the street. <laughs> well, there's a lot of crowd control that goes into that. You want him to come out of a sleazy diner and, and walk across the street in traffic. Uh, you know, that's that's going to be a big deal. In fact, uh, it might be one of my favorite shots in the entire thing. He, he walks across uh, after uh, handing off a note to Lauren Bacall at the rehearsal studio. And he walks out and he's kind of like, I need to formulate a new plan because Griffin Dunn got in the way, you know. <laughs> he iced my hot drama letters. Well, who has who amongst us I know. has not been cockblocked by Griffin Dunn? Notorious. Uh, just, <laughs> he just shows the up. Of cocks blocked. 
Like, not again, Mr. Dunn. Please. By Griffey D. You um, again? <laughs> again, sir. But he walks across the street, and I don't know where this is in New York City, but he, we get to see some fantastic signage, and you know how I love real signage. We see a restaurant, and as soon as I saw it, I go, oh, no, I'm going to have to sing. So I'm going to try to talk sing it like Lauren Bacall. So please indulge me, everyone. Because maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. <laughs> and after all, you're my wiener wall. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Wiener walled, everybody. Wiener now walled. someone's going to start sending you letters that start with dearest bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. He gets um, so angry. So angry, little Douglas. He's yeah, so mad. He He's such a pissy little dude. And the fact that she's so unbothered by really gross letters, because even before they get threatening, they're threatening in a different way, which is he's mm -hmm. basically like, I'm going to have lots of sex with you and it's going to be amazing. And it's like, oh, no, no, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and poor Maureen Stapleton is like, these letters are inappropriate. And Lauren Bacall just thinks, well, you know, don't, don't piss off my fans. Don't piss off my fans, even the ones don't who are sexually piss harassing off me. My fans, they're my fans, and we at the very beginning, you know, as we you know hear dramatic typing, um, we get to see Lauren Bacall, uh, you know, with a bunch of stage door annies, uh, and she immediately whips out her own pen to start signing away uh, these autographs. We see a little-known Chris Kattan SNL character behind her. Smoking a very tiny cigarette, <laughs> and then this, this, this—they're um, portrayed as if they're lepers. Like Jesus heals, you know, lepers that are portrayed with more empathy than these autograph hunters. But this one gal steals this pen, dashes across the street, and, <laughs> and Douglas just sweep, just sweeps the leg, and she yep. goes down hard. And he's like, ha ha, my pen. Boom. And uh, that's our introduction to Michael Bean's Douglas Breen. Um, it's also the first and only movie I've ever seen where the opening credit sequence features a threatening close-up of a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote several times, if they want me to be scared of this Swiss Army knife, it is not going to fucking happen. No. We He's got the corkscrew. He's got a bottle opener. <laughs> That's right. Like he can open up letters and he can whittle something at Cub Scout camp. It'll be fantastic. Uh, we learned that the the play that she's in that she is that is closing that night is called It's Called Tomorrow. <laughs> I love fake titles. Oh, yeah. I do too. Things. Like, I've, in All About Eve, there's a bunch of good ones, which also, I mean, you were going to say they were treated like leopards, features the line, autograph hounds. They're not people. <laughs> it's true. Um, hounds. They just, like, anything like that, fake book titles, it's just always so good. They're always, they're always so, like, like bad. Like, I, 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 it's never anything that sounds remotely realistic. No. I mean, as a person who is paid real money, that goes in my bank account to title things, you would be fucking surprised what people have come up with to title shows well, and movies. I 
I just learned about a movie today that is apparently called Cosmic Sin, which, as I noted on Twitter, sounds like the title of a Star Wars smut fic. <laughs> but that's that's an actual movie that's almost like, ooh, Cosmic Sin. Like, whoa. He's, he's a Jedi <laughs> who's taken an oath. That is the plot of lots of Star Wars smut fics. Yeah, it's very true. People want to get people want to get in those cloaks, baby. Um, you make is, these jokes, Patrick, but you're actually not wrong. Man, <laughs> yeah. uh, I this is a curse I live with. Um, Bacall is festooned in a purple jumpsuit with a diaphanous blazer, like a boss. This will not be the last purple jumpsuit we see in this motion picture. I kept count. There are fucking five. So in New York City at that time. If you didn't have a purple jumpsuit, uh, you weren't going to no parties. Mm-mm. You weren't dancing awkwardly to James Brown. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> that looks like the worst party ever. Oh, oh my God. What an uncomfortable party that looked like. Just everyone. And like, there's either not enough cocaine or way <laughs> too much. <laughs> the cigarette smoke. Oh, and everyone's just loosely ashing everywhere. And it looks like there's wicker furniture in the background. White wicker furniture. That's probably like, you know, from a time when a lot of people stopped wearing deodorant because they thought their natural scent turned other people (laughs) on. (laughs) I worked as a studio guide with somebody who had that philosophy. I can tell you right now, I was not sexually attracted Uh. to him based off his musk. You you didn't like Uh. it? You, You didn't get a nice whiff of those pheromones? Oh, I got plenty of pheromone whiffs. <laughs> it, you know, like Universal Studios is in the valley. We worked in the summer. Like everyone was sweating into polyester. Uh, I got a whiff of everyone. <laughs> okay. So we already mentioned that Maureen Stapleton is, is playing Belle Golden. She's like also, she's also the only person in this entire movie who understands what kind of movie it is. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. She's the only one acting in the movie that they're making. And, and has a realistic commute. Yes, she does. <laughs> She's like, well, I've got to go home, so I'm going to leave now. Um, I'm going to go shopping, but also it's going to take me two and a half hours. I have to take lots of subways. I'm just going to, I'm just going to drag myself through this horrible subway tunnel. Oh, in 1981, I mean, yeah, they had warnings about that sort of thing. I've seen, I share that booklet on Twitter constantly. <laughs> like, please do not go to New York City. Don't go to, you. don't go to Kill City. Kill City. <laughs> oh, it's the best. It's my favorite thing. And unfortunately for poor Maureen Stapleton, the only thing that I ever think of is a very stupid joke from Mystery Science Theater, <laughs> where a character has the last name Stapleton. And they just go, Maureen Stapleton, looking good. <laughs> and so every time I hear her name, it's like, oh, no, I'm sorry, Maureen Stapleton. <laughs> you have a she's, story she's in some sort. She's in some sort of um, war with the uh, housekeeper maid who <laughs> is aggressively vacuuming in her direction. Is it like, like every push forward is another fuck you and Belle yeah. Goldman. It's like, ladies, you have to work together to babysit this adult person. (laughs) And she is aggressively babysat. Like, it's a whole thing that she is either so sorry for herself she can't move or would like you to feel sorry for her because that's your job and that's what she's paying you to do. 
No thanks. I mean, I will say this. Sally, the character, and obviously to a certain degree, the actress portraying her, is at a crossroads, right? She's a middle-aged actress in an industry that does not respect or cater to women of her age. Uh, she's divorced from James Garner, uh, who who can fall off that cliff and land gracefully. And then everything that he's got going on under his slacks, no longer available to you, no matter how many times he awkwardly kisses you on the cheek. And then she's agreed to star in a Broadway musical that sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> the world is her oyster. Yeah, but the whole, but the whole thing about you know, how great she is. She's so great. Everyone loves her. Yeah. She's Everyone is a legend. Almost like it's contractually required to love her. Douglas just loves her for her. True. And for his weird, like, because you know what young men have always loved? And that's mm-hmm. uh, Stars of the Silver Screen. <laughs> well, this is where we have come to a weird crossroads. Like, this was the perfect time for the fan. If we had begun with the fan, I don't know that I would have appreciated its charms. But when compared to the other films in which we have people obsessed with women way out of their fucking league, as in uh, the seduction and someone who is entranced with people of the silver screen uh, in, oh, Gina, help me. Fade uh, to black. Fade a to fade to black. My, yeah, Ma- yeah Megan, Megan made this, actually made this comparison on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know how I'd ever thought of that before, but they are very similar. It, they are it's, something was obviously in the air, right? Everyone read the magazine articles and were like, "Oh, stalkers are a thing. We should yeah. do a stalker movie." And, and I like that they're both kind of also like the different coastal versions of how this would work. Yeah, because you know he Douglas has to ultimately stalk someone who is in a Broadway play. <laughs> Sure. Where is the other? Oh God, what's his name? Eric. Eric. Eric, Eric is uh, you know working kind of in film. He'd like to say he works in film, like yeah. literal film. Uh, yeah. the, the same way I <laughs> felt I worked in 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 the studio system when I was a studio guide. No, I was on the fancy bus that went around, <laughs> and then I would say, "Oh, look out for Jaws." That's not a job in entertainment, really. I was um, always entertained on that ride, though. Oh, you weren't on my tram. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got glowing reviews up until the point where I left for a couple of years uh, and did other jobs in the system and came back. And literally the day after I got back on a tram, someone, uh, one of the higher ups evaluated me. And she's like, what is this joke you're doing about Janet Jackson? I'm like, well, we go down old Mexico and that's where they, uh, she did a music video for Escapade. And she goes, why are you singing Escapade? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. How can you not sing Escapade? <laughs> like, I, I, putting some zazz into it. And she's like, don't do that. <laughs> never stopped. Never stopped. You can, you can put all the zazz into our show that you want. Yeah, you've been <laughs> saving right. it up. That's right. I have a Zazz reserve. So Douglas's job is in a record store, which is great because he loves modern music. <laughs> his, little, his little necktie and sweater set. Uh-huh. <laughs> she took um, a one and a half hour lunch. 
She took a one and a half hour lunch. Like he's doing a Jack Nicholson impression in the mirror at one point. Uh, the person he's talking about is Dana Delaney, who is rocking a new wave attitude yep. and the skin <laughs> of a fucking angel. She looks like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. She's got very swoopy hair and she doesn't know she's only 13 years away from starring in Exit to Eden. The world is her oyster. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like like I want to know like what it was about Douglas that you know, made the record store manager say, yeah, this guy looks like he should be playing York in the local you know, Protestant church. It's my guy. <laughs> he could lift. He could lift the boxes. Yeah, he seems like he's good with the cardboard box. That's, and that's why he's, where he's... You know, he's in the back unloading. Mm-hmm. We're going to put Dana Delaney out front. You. We you do get to back. hear um, do the dog by the specials, and I really appreciated that. I like that she goes for concert tickets to wait in line. Cause remember that? I mean, yes. I really don't because this movie is as old as me. Um, <laughs> and I didn't go to concerts before there was an internet. So, uh, but I've read about it in books. So it actually kind of, yeah. it actually kind of sucked to be honest. That's, with you. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that, you, 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 about the internet occurred in those lines. Yeah, anything just, it, it, you know, anything that involved you know, having to wait in line for long periods of time, you can keep it. Not <laughs> interested. Noise. No, that's fair. Seriously. Yeah, like you want to wait online for a PS5? Fuck that noise. No, no. Whenever I see people lining up for anything in a store, I think, what? Yeah. No. no don't Especially do now, it. I mean, remember concerts? Wow. Ugh, very I mean, I, bad. Don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, mean I, I wait. I may wait in line for a vaccine, but that's about it. Yeah, right. that's I think that's our new the new hotness. <laughs> um, so I can tell you one thing: Douglas does not respect the merchandise or how insanely hot Dana Delaney is. This is how you know he is crazy. <laughs> I like that his sister, when his sister comes to visit him, just to to say that you know no one's heard from you. Yeah. Her one complaint is that they only hear from him when he needs money, which is like, well, okay, that's not uncommon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's a young person in New York City. Of course, he's going to need money. But she also complains like it was once upon a time, it was fine to dress up and pretend. But you're an adult now. It's like he's not dressed up. He's just having an imaginary dinner date with a person on his TV. Yeah, that's entirely different than dressing up and pretending. These are two different leagues. He's full-blown crazy town now. Yeah. He wasn't wearing the tuxedo at home. <laughs> oh, that would that, that, that would have been, been, been great if he just hanging around in tux all the time. He's opened the door in the tux and having dinner <laughs> with an actress. Like, oh, dear. Um, the next day, we learned that uh, the musical rehearsal is going to be held with two stars in tow. The first we've discussed, Griffin Dunn, just flitting about in the background. The second is Howling Man Murdoch, who is the director (laughs) of this musical. He does not respect Lauren Bacall. I don't, he seems to have lost the bet, and that's why he's here. He is never happy with anything that happens, and as soon as she goes, then get off your... You can see the life drain out of his face. Like, oh, boy. He's very Michael Douglas in a chorus line. (laughs) I hate everything about what I've clearly chosen to do for my life, which is direct musicals. Yeah. Uh, then, Then we get to hear more letter writing. 
The little shop around the corner added to You've Got Mail involves less typing than this movie. <laughs> Hackers may have less typing than this movie. He was he was taught how to write a letter. You got to <laughs> type it. You got to sign off. You got to leave space in the middle for your signature. Mm-hmm. Very At least true. until you start getting too crazy and then you leave it off. Yeah. Um. He, then we get a bunch of rehearsal footage and we learned that all of these day players are rather live no one has an ass and no one is wearing underwear they're thin as rails and as i mentioned earlier there's a lot of rib meat on display (laughs) everywhere you it doesn't matter what you're in the mood for it's all contains rib meat I feel bad for the guy who I think is the one who ultimately ends up getting killed in a YMCA pool. Yeah. Uh, and he he just wanted to get a cup of freaking coffee. But no, no. Sally's got to be like, let's go get a juice. <laughs> let's go to the health store. Don't drag no. me down to your weird level. I, I'm I've a been dancer up in New York in the 80s. I want coffee yeah. and cigarettes i've been having <laughs> sex with guys in the park i need coffee um that that guy i'm just uh scrolling down here it, weirdly enough became kind of a screen queen in in a way um he's played by kurt johnson he's sporting one of john davidson's spare dry look haircuts and over the course of a couple years he's in ghost story the fan and soul survivor. He just, he had like, he was a, obviously a, a, a Broadway dancer, but he had this horror career, um, which was sadly cut short, not to bring this down, but in 1986, uh, he died of AIDS, uh, where uh, disease that took far too many uh, wonderful people. Uh, it's the pandemic that killed millions and that we don't talk about AIDS, everyone look it up um it's very unfortunate i you know he's the one guy in the course who does have a nice ass though and he looks great in jeans at least there's that yes um so douglas uh then writes another letter and in it he states that he isn't just a fan but someone sally can count on and also they will be lovers very oh. soon. Is that, the one right. Ray, is that one where he says he has all the necessary equipment? Yes. I have a level. Imagine getting a letter like that from somebody. Ew. You just like <laughs> right in the wastebasket. <laughs> and if you like that person, you're like, well, that's done now. <laughs> he had better moves as Kyle Reese, who is ostensibly a virgin from the future. Yeah. Please don't refer to your genitals as your equipment. Never. No. Even if they are equipment, don't. Just don't do that. Um, uh, we do get one really nice shot here uh, that I just want to point out. And it's an overhead shot um, in which we're hearing one of Douglas's letters. And it's uh, him sitting on one of these park benches. And all the some of the park benches are straight across, and some of them are askew, like and his like, mind. Yes, Woo! Gina, you got the subtext. <laughs> it's a good looking fucking shot, and it's weird that this guy went on to direct. Uh, t- like he still is 
directing a shit ton of premium television. I saw that, yeah. It's not but, like HBO's, like, they got him. Oh, yeah. He is, any any show that you have loved uh, in the past 10, 15 years, he's probably directed an episode of it. Like, he is working, but they didn't, like, sign him up for another movie after this. <laughs> he was kind of one and done. I think he has a, a Cindy Lopper vehicle uh, that he does later on that also makes no money. But they don't, they're like, oh, no, no, no. You don't do features anymore. You, you come to TV. Th- that's where he goes. At least he's still working. Exactly. Yes. Oh, and listen, and he's working on great stuff. So he, he he's doing just fine. Um, but uh, uh, I'm trying to find where we are now. Oh, uh, we dug um, over the course of the movie begins to get wetter and wetter. As if, he, <laughs> as if he's leaking desire. Oh. At one point, he gives a monologue to himself about how they need to fire Dana Delaney. And there's a shot of Donna Summer just over his shoulder looking disapprovingly at being included <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Why are you dragging me into this? I'm the queen of the disco. <laughs> Like he, ever, he was just like, don't look at me that way. <laughs> I don't care for disco. Yeah. Uh, when in Manhattan, cast members of this unnamed musical rehearse at JoJo's Dance Factory. Smelt some <laughs> jazz hands today at JoJo's Dance Factory. <laughs> look, they, they're working with some slim pickings here. This, yeah, this, they really are. It's a weird avant-garde musical about past but the energy crisis but <laughs> and, 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 and how there's no love in Paris oh. there's no love in Paris she needed hearts not diamonds <laughs> but also hot love baby tonight Oh, <laughs> which oh. is my favorite line of dialogue in any movie possibly <laughs> ever hot love tonight <laughs> She's just like, like, hot love, baby, tonight. Just no, her, no. Her delivery is just amazing. I, I, I love it. It's like she read it off a flyer that was a, that was put under the windshield wiper it's, of her car. It, you know, it's like she, like, it's like a, you know, an ad from a pizza place. You know, hot hoagies tonight. <laughs> baby is in, but baby is the third word into it. Hot it's, love baby tonight. We should, is we should a very. We should point out that that you can watch just the musical part of this movie on YouTube. We should we should post <laughs> yeah. the link when this goes up. Yeah. it's it's literally like twelve minutes long. So <laughs> I you just know, don't the, get why so frequently. It's like they forget that they have added this to a plot. Mm-hmm. And then at the last minute, they're like, oh, no, we have to come up with a plot for this play that they're all doing. <laughs> and this, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what the plot of this is. Yeah. She seems to be breaking out of Tron prison to go to Paris <laughs> to have sex with four guys wearing circus paints. And then it's like, it's not all it's cracked up to be, baby. No. And I don't know what Just, the play is. I don't know what this is. 
she's had enough champagne. <laughs> she surely has. Which is never she's, possible. Um, I, at, at a certain point, while um, uh, Michael Bean is stalking Maureen Stapleton, uh, he gets so wet that I began to think that he was like a leather egg that Peter Laurie was working his way out of. <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> very, very evocative. My God. Yeah. Well, well, someone here just doesn't type angry letters to middle-aged women. You know? uh, unfortunately, um, poor Maureen because becomes Maureen Slashington. Oh, um, but she lives up. She does. She lives, and at the end, doesn't even have a scar, really. Yes. Amazing it's work. Very subtle. Uh, great work being done on on Maureen Stapleton. Well, I mean, like 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 Lauren McCall better have footed that fucking bill for that that oh reconstructive surgery. Yes. Yes. I, hopefully, she is not footing that bill alone. Hopefully, she is on some sort of medical plan under. Well, you know, she, she has to remind Sally about bills and stuff. I don't know yeah. if she's paying those. <laughs> Like, uh, she's hand, yeah. trying to hand cash to a doctor. Like, here. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> this, what is this, like $200? Here you go. <laughs> like, oh, no. Uh, but, but don't, if you were wondering, like, I don't know. Yeah, this movie seems, you know, you're you're telling me there's some prime Michael Bean action in, in it. And there, you know, there seems to be some fairly attractive people. But who's really going to up the sex appeal of this movie and that's when you get a hot injection of Hector Elizondo baby <laughs> who I always forget is in this and then he shows up and I'm like there you are yes and he's I don't know why but they make a very clear decision that he doesn't wear natural fibers and <laughs> every shirt he has on is silk and open practically to the clavicle and he is a police officer He's a young, young hot cop. Like, come on. Um, And for some reason, he and, uh, and, and, and Sally don't get together. I I don't, it it seems the whole movie seems to be at a focus point where it's like, well, you can't really trust James Garner. Like you've been there and you've done that, but you have Hector Elizondo right there with a mustache. (laughs) Why aren't you riding that Hector Elizondo mustache? Well, they kind of like flirt a little bit, but then she they have, like breakfast and stuff. But then, but then she decides she wants to be with James Garner instead. Yeah. Well, After he hmm. dumps his his little chickadee, who has a, a haircut that looks like Darth Vader's helmet. <laughs> if you She's ever want... so strangely nice, just the fact that they chose to make her just clearly like just a nice younger lady. And but such... she's awesome. <laughs> Dumb as a fence well, post. Of course she is. When someone extends their hand to shake your hand, you don't go, which is basically what she does. But they, I feel like in in a lot of circumstances, she would have been just some complete, like a big, like a complete blonde bitch, just like, right, oh, right. is this your ex wife? You know, didn't know they were inviting old people or something. But it's just like, hi, Sally. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so wonderful to meet you. But that, but that at that point, you kind of get like, does she understand the gravity of what's happening? Oh, probably not. Yeah. Well, you know, you're growing that nice a helmet of hair. Maybe not everything's happening underneath there. 
the good news is it's fun to stock man at the YMCA. <laughs> and uh, poor Doug goes to take a swim. Well, I'm sure that's not the only thing he's taking uh, at that particular location of the YMCA. But um, <laughs> uh, we got the perfect plane here. Okay. So Michael Bing's going to like, listen, I'm going to go. I'm going to bring my shorts. I'm going to stick my razor, my, my, uh, what kind of the straight, blade is a that? straight razor? A straight, straight razor. razor. Yeah. Uh, stick my straight razor into my loose shorts and they'll stay there <laughs> by magic. I just want to be like how many takes he gets in the water. It's because they get, they just come like bobbing to the surface. The, the razor just comes bobbing to the surface. Like, oh, that's not he- mine. That, oh. <laughs> By the way, this YMCA looks like Lex Luthor's lair in the first <laughs> Superman. It's just covered with the sweat and jism of a thousand hookups. <laughs> and he slips into the pool, you know, kind of goes under and pushes off under the water towards this, this, this lithe young man and slices his chest open uh, underneath and then just swims away no one and no one him. thinks no one stops and like what's that guy swimming with a straight razor in his shorts doing let's, perhaps we should stop him let's see he swam past this guy this guy suddenly is bleeding and screaming for help maybe we should see what yeah. that fellow is up to yeah no he, and he's just duck walking away because <laughs> the shorts are too small and, like, oh. and the fact that he chose to attack this guy because he went to a party with, with Sally and so of course Douglas can't have that and it's like Douglas did, he wasn't her date yeah honey um, hmm. it's okay <laughs> well, yes he spent time with Sally and you didn't get to but hmm, I don't think he was a threat this brings up the weirdest components of this movie <laughs> and that it, how much of this is actual aware that queer people exist and how much of it isn't because at one point in this movie, Michael Bean's character goes to a gay bar and is I fucked by every dude there. I mean, why not? I mean, I'm not blaming them. All I'm saying is if you're about to commit a crime, don't show up in Michael Bean's body. (laughs) Well, what did, he, what, what did he look like? Oh, he was incredibly <laughs> <Wow>. handsome. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like an angel fell from heaven and uh, had tight jeans on and <laughs> like a baby face, but also very chiseled and the yeah. arms. Uh, he had a very uh, rough but tender hands that I wanted to hold me. Uh, is this a good description? Are you getting? You're not writing this down. <laughs> Oh, you, where's your sketch artist? I'll do the sketches. Here, hold on a second. I've, I've, he's he's in the spank bank. Believe me, I've memorized <laughs> every contour. That is the first. The, that scene though is the very weirdest plan that anyone's ever had. I mean, not the part. So at this point in the movie, they kind of they know it's Douglas. They've pieced it together finally because. Like yeah, they threw he out somehow all found a way into her apartment and killed that aggressively vacuuming maid. Yeah, for no reason. For just, no you know, reason. Just because and smashed up a bunch of stuff. Because he wanted yeah. to show her how close he could get. 
But he also smashed up all her stuff. And I mean, I'm sorry. He he threw out all kinds of clothes out of her closet and he came on those. He did. <laughs> it is not shown in the film, but I think we all know. That's a running thing. We, we talked about this at some length in uh, our episode on the seduction. Because yeah. because yeah. there's a scene where he is hiding in her closet, and I'm like, there's like, there's so many jizz tracks all over that closet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he well, was in that I, apartment I think her for joke a while. There was that she was constantly going to her dry cleaner and going, "What is this? <laughs> Why is this all over my finest lingerie? Why is this constantly happening?" Well, you know that this, all of Sally's purple jumpsuits. The, yes. the, this plan, you know, makes sense when you think of it in terms of. You know, one of Hollywood's favorite, same for it's more about you know, Hollywood movies of the 70s and 80s, but one of the favorite tropes is lazy cops. Mm-hmm. Where so basically he he picks up a dude, lets the dude go down on him, lets it go a little longer That's than he thing. needs to. <laughs> he needs a decoy, he wants a decoy body and how. Mm-hmm. So he has to choose. I mean, they don't know what he looks like, but he still kind of picks a guy who's similar, you know, enough. But yeah, that then he's like, how do I lure this guy up to the roof? Well, I'll say it's a hookup. But then instead of just saying like, oh, look at the beautiful stars, cut his throat. He's like, no, 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 you, you could go down on me, I guess, for a while. <laughs> a long while. <laughs> if you bring, must. If you must, which brings up the question that, we're not exactly the most equipped to answer, but I'm sure if you want answers with that are with more authority, you would go to Attack of the Queer Wolf and mm. Horror Queers and the like. I'm sure that uh, I did not listen to those episodes because I knew we would one day do this. But does this mean that this character is in fact queer and is just deluded about Sally? Or does the idea that he's uh, a queer man trapped in this uh, heterosexual fantasy make him a killer, which is also a terrible thing to put in a movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more the, I, I, I certainly think that they didn't intend for the latter. I don't, I don't think this is like a dress to kill thing where, where, you know, they're struggling with some aspect of their sexuality that turns them into a killer. I think mm-hmm. that if he is queer, he is attracted to Sally because he perceives her as an older woman that's not going to expect much from him sexually. Mm. You know, she, you know, he's intimidated by her, but not in a way that men are mm-hmm. often intimidated by women. You know, he probably the awkwardness of the previous the letter. Yeah, because, he probably you know, he probably yeah. doesn't actually think she's going to want to have sex with him because right. you know she's old enough to be his mother. Yeah, so he could kind of he kind of work out his feelings and mm-hmm. and you know. And not really have to, you know, have it, you know, you know, he doesn't have to, you know, walk the walk, as it were. Now, you know, granted, I'm fully not entirely out of my ass, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Film um, criticism. Yeah. I mean, it could also be that the scene would just be really lurid, you know. I mean, this was a, this was a year after. That's, this, that's this, the thing. this was a year after Cruising came out. So people were still a little, you know, well, I don't know if I want to see, you know, dudes getting on with other dudes. You know, that's, that's you know, something for you know, movies that are supposed to be really gritty and dark. And I mean, I just think it's funny because, again, you know, you know, my favorite thing of lazy police work where, you know, he kills this poor young man who just wants to give someone a BJ and, and, and 
you know, burns his body and leaves a note say, hi, it's me, Douglas Breen. And, and, and the cop, <laughs> the cop's like, okay, that's good enough for us. What a wild way to kill yourself. All right. You know, it's right. nuts. You know, I'm going to set myself on fire on top of a gay bar. <laughs> like, well, let's move it along, boys. Wrap yeah. It up. yeah. Well, it's They're... sort of like the end of Black Christmas where no one actually looked in the house. Oh my God. That pisses me off so much. They left her alone. Yeah. They left her alone. There's a body but in the part, attic. Part of the, but the part of the point of that movie is that every guy in it loves when these women are around, but never cares what they think or say or do. They just, they're like, ah, these girls, these women, come on. Like we live in a real world. They never ever consider them people. And that is part of the point of the original black Christmas. And here I just think they saw Day of the Jackal and they're like, oh, that's a fun trick. And they put it in the movie. That's it. <laughs> a trick that then is repeated by the remake of the Jackal where Bruno himself <laughs> gets a blowjob and, and slashes a guy's throat to take over his identity and continues skipping across the United States to kill the vice president. I can't remember what happens at the end of that. I just know jack black plays a, a arms dealer and you're like what that guy can't drive across a highway all right fine <laughs> it's just it's very i mean i i understand what you what you mean about black christmas but they also just i i just think that someone could have opened a few doors oh i agree i 100 <laughs> percent. he's clearly agree. just in a closet like waiting just waiting <laughs> this is what i do yeah no those are not great cops. They just, they aren't. She killed the guy from 2001. It's done. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know who is a great cop? Thelma from TV's AMN. She's fantastic. That's right. She is in this, isn't she? Yeah. Yes. It's very weird not to hear her beg her dad to find her a date. I just, I, that's, <laughs> I, she's, uh, I don't know how many episodes of TV's Amen I saw, but as soon as I'm like, oh, it's Thelma from TV's Amen. Like she's the best cop. It was exciting to see a female cop in a movie yeah. in the 80s who was actually good at her job. Wasn't she sort of she like, does get uh -huh. ducked out on by Sally at one point and well, says, Oh, I'm off to the Cape. I mean, when you have a house at the Cape to just Look, she to. had to stand along the shore with a diaphanous wrap. Look, yeah. you can't, you can't be, you can't be stopped from doing that. You'd no. have to sit on the beach, sadly, in a striped sweater, <laughs> scarf, <laughs> and just wait for James Garner to show up. Yeah, and for someone who thinks that a guy is coming to kill her, she is snuck up on very quickly by James Garner. <laughs> well, her solution is to well, she's not only snuck up on James Garner, but just some other guy who's like, "Oh, I wasn't sure you were here," and she's like, "I'm gonna slowly close this blind, <laughs> and then I'm invisible." <laughs> That's not how it works, Sally. That's what I do when someone rings my doorbell. <laughs> like, oh no, they'll never notice. Kind of. So. In case you're wondering, you know, you know, is there are parts of this that sound fun and there are parts that sound weird. Is this really, you know, my sort of thing? And I'm here to tell you that we've reached that moment, the jazz hands moment, the moment in which we meet the opening number of this musical. And I'm just going to 
riff off some of the names of the characters. Now, they're not given names. I've given them names. But it's very important we identify them. Otherwise, we won't understand the plot. First of all, we have Phantom of the Doritos. <laughs> Gloved hand and face. We have Barricade Bombshells of 36. We have Fire Escape Floozies. We have a Tron Beetlejuice. Uh, we have a Pink Dracula who just hangs upside down. Uh, we have a stage replication of the 2002 version of Spider-Man with one person upside down and then the other person just lip-length close to them. Um, and then I don't know what the fucking plot of the show is, but for some reason she's not allowed to say the word ass. <laughs> Cause then it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's naughty. Yeah. At one point in the rehearsals, she's told by the director, can you move from that spot and walk faster? And she's like, why? Cause I need you to move from that spot over to the other half of the stage faster. And she's like, it's the spotlight person. Move from stage left to stage right, Sally. This, you got a job. Look, she's been, you know, if, if it didn't open with her having done a play, I would think that they were just trying to make it like, oh, she's been doing movies. So it's different. You know, she's not used. To, no, like she no. just doesn't care. She is the star of the stage. It's me in high school drama. It's going, what, there? Fine. <laughs> da, da, da. Here we are. Why Which are we brings... doing Miss Saigon? This is like, inappropriate for everyone. What was your helicopter in the Well, your it was high just, we had to do scenes. It was part oh, of, okay. it was a quiz. Uh, we had to get into groups and do numbers. <laughs> and sure. we couldn't come up with one. We kept arguing. Mm. So our teacher assigned us one. So that's how four white kids from Tampa, Florida ended up doing The Heat is On in Saigon. Oh. Yeesh. <laughs> We knew enough Yikes. to not attempt to do any kind of makeup, but we did have to dress like sex workers. Oh, well, so. that's... Uh, no. Th At least we weren't is, being racist. You, you've got to be in character, Megan. <laughs> Come on. Um, my <sighs> high school uh, drama teacher, and I did not start drama until my senior year because I was afraid, uh, and um, he had a system for blocking in which he taped numbers on the stage in a grid system. So when you reached a certain line, he would go, okay, move from 12 <laughs> to 17. Oh my God. And that was your motivation. Move from 12 to 17. No. Yes. Oh he God. had, listen, I can't imagine how hard it would have been to be a queer man uh, in La Crescenta, California in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, up until the point I met him in the late 80s. But uh, he had a uniform that consisted of, like, it looks like he was a Blockbuster employee who was late to work. It was just tan pants, creased, and a blue Oxford shirt always open to reveal a white T-shirt underneath. And he weighed 65 pounds. <laughs> You're painting quite a vivid picture. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a very evocative episode. Yes. What's brought it out of me is <laughs> hot love, baby, tonight. And our our end of year musical was Smile. <laughs> yes, the one about beauty pageants. <laughs> so everyone had to don bathing suits and sparklers. 
Yes. Mm. Appropriate. We had to cut out all the jokes that were about sex. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, we get to see her final number, which is called Hearts, not Diamonds. I, 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 I don't, I don't <laughs> smoke. I've never smoked, but I, I wish I could just roll barely smoke like she, like she doesn't do any of that. It just looks so fucking cool. It does. I truly wish I had started counting how many cigarettes versus letters are in this movie because it would literally be neck to neck. Like, I don't know who would win cigarettes or letters, but it would be close. It's what a lot. What always gets me about re- like just smoking in movies is the amount of it done at a meal. <laughs> That's what gets yeah. to me. And I, I've, you know, people, youth of today, people used to smoke. Uh, and I knew lots of people who smoked, but not sitting at lunch. Like we weren't in a yeah. restaurant. They were like, oh, my salad's here. Let me light up. I, I, would like, t- oh. I, could, I could tell you my, my grandmother would smoke like between bites. I, I don't think, yeah. I don't think she tasted anything. I, 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 no, I think that, I, I think that her, her, you know, her taste buds were just worn down to like useless little nubbins. Yeah. No, they're they're cloaked in tar. This is why people could eat so much aspic and mayonnaise because they could not taste. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, everyone start, you know, and of course she receives a standing ovation um, for her off-key singing. Oh man, <laughs> oh, it's, it's so really bad. bad. It's terrible. and she had Laura Bacall had done musicals in 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 the past. She. I think she's in applause. She was in applause. She was in woman of the year, but here she's just completely, just horribly, horribly off key. And, and, and again, it's like, you want to do this again? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed like on Wikipedia, at least they were saying that they had wanted Shirley MacLaine. Mm. um, Who I feel not that I feel like Lauren McCall does, but Shirley McLean is not going to suffer anyone writing her dirty letters. No, no. absolutely not. I can't not. picture her in a movie getting that kind, co- like her secretary telling her, "Oh, look what he wrote about his equipment." Her just not being like, "Oh, oh what?" <laughs> <laughs> like just like you know, finding his apartment and like he opens the yes. door, she like punches him in the face. Yeah, yeah, no, that guy would get kicked in the balls so fast he would find them in the in in the Bronx. But she could make me believe a song called "Hearts Not Diamonds." Yeah. Uh, Lauren Bacall is, is left to die here. Uh, it was this song was na- nominated for a Razzie. Not that we're big Razzie fans here, but uh, it's true. But yeah, she remi- it reminds me of um, remember Waiting for Guffman. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, remember Eugene Levy doing his audition. He, he sings like my genie with the light brown hair or something. Yes, and, and, <laughs> and he's trying to he's trying to carry that last note, and he's like, eh. And she she literally <laughs> does that. She like tries to carry a note, and she stops, takes a breath, and then does it again. I'm like, oh my fucking god! I mean, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but you know, I know my limitations, and I have no idea mm-hmm. why they did not tell her, you know, "Let's do another take of this." Yeah, no. exactly. I also cannot carry a note. Um, as you've, you've heard me sing karaoke, so you are aware. <laughs> uh, so just the fact, the idea that anyone just left her there. Lauren McCall, and no one said, eh, let's do well, something with this. I'll come at it this way, and I don't mean to brag. Obviously, you can tell because I've sung twice on this episode. I have the voice of a fucking angel. <laughs> 
but it's really weird that they they didn't just dub her voice mm -hmm. like just fine like it, it would make her look good like um, no one's coming to this like i gotta hear lauren bacall sing that's not the reason you're coming to the fucking thing let her loop it in later i mean this is they did yeah. oh this was loop, this was looped in this is record she is lip syncing to oh. hearts not diamonds this isn't Les Mis. No one's singing live. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no one's. <laughs> There's no cat buttholes in this. This is all pre-recorded. So, wow, yeah. um, dear. Where is the uh, hot love baby hot, tonight? Hot love baby That's... tonight. <laughs> I just, I, every I, time I... she says it, she looks at the camera like, "Can you fucking believe that this?" This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is wild. James Garner's in the audience sitting in front of Michael B and going like, what? <laughs> uh, okay. Which take um, is this? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so everyone leaves triumphantly. She gets a standing no, Doug skulks off, and everyone seems to leave this theater oh but her, which, why? And they turn all the lights out. Yeah. Like everyone is gone. And that's one of my, I dislike that so much in movies because it's so uncomfortable. It's just this kind of very visceral, like, wait, hello? <laughs> well, oh, mm. uh, yeah. Everyone else has gone to the party. No one waits for her. No. Uh, Not James no. Garner, who previously brought her peonies and <laughs> tried to like kind of make a move when she's supposed to be on stage in like 10 minutes. Yeah, is that the time to reconcile with your ex-wife is right before she steps on she stage? Was wearing just a robe. I think he was a little like, well, oh. can't help but notice. Like, okay. James, James Garner kind of does the same thing that Roger Moore does, where he doesn't know how to kiss women. And he just <laughs> no. kind of it's very tight mouthed. And it's like, true. Whoa. I think it's like, I think it's, you know, I'm married, you know, I'm married to my wife and i don't want to make it look like I, I might be attracted to this other woman right but i paid money to see the movie where he kisses somebody so put some fucking effort into it james <laughs> now are you angry at james garner or james bond uh both <laughs> both uh both the answer is both <laughs> okay. doug Fair. swipes a, a a switchblade off of the prop table and of course, of course it's real. Yeah. No, you want practical razor blades. <laughs> this is this is a real show. Uh which I believe is called Never Say Never. The most generic fucking yeah. title for for like anything. It's the most generic name. Yeah, you got to uh, at least throw it again at the end of that. Predating a James Bond movie that will come out a few years later that's also called Never Say Never. That's called Never uh, Say Never again. Oh, that's true. Yeah. No. Um, and it has one good bike chase. And then at one point, um, he plays video games to the death. <laughs> it's true. It's all true. It's a real thing that fucking happens. Kim in that Basinger movie. is there. Yes. Oh my god, Kim <laughs> Looks I like she's also mint condition in that movie. And she <laughs> it's and also full of rib meat. Plays a dancer. There's a lot of parallels here. <laughs> um, so they have this, I wouldn't even call it a chase because uh 
our leading lady, Miss. Where did he get? Can I can I stop you for a second? Where did he? Sure. Where did he acquire a writing prop from? That's also on the prop table. She actually picks it up first. Oh right, right, right. Okay. That is that is part of the zoot suit riot that is this show. <laughs> no one puts the there's no one to put the props away. There is yeah. no prop master. Like no one locked those up or put them in a different room. It's also they, like a one person show. Like who else, who is her co lead in this? It's just her and a bunch of people dressed the same. Yeah. And then there's like one cop who goes out and like swings. I think that baton around to establish it. And he's like, uh, no one's fucking tonight in Paris. <laughs> uh, what? We're in Paris? Yeah, there's How a whole sequence that's in Paris because the ladies are in lingerie. Oh, as they yeah. do in Paris. That's what if you I saw Emily my- in Paris, you'd know that. <laughs> it's Emily in Paris. It please. is not, and I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Globe nominee. Oh! Emily and Perry. Fuck the Golden Globes. Honestly, for everything uh, they occasionally get right, well, they're like, oh, that person did deserve that. There's like a million, like, what the fuck is The Father? That's not, I refuse to believe that is a real movie. That is nominated in multiple categories. And they a only, movie- they only nom- nominated Hamilton because someone had heard of it. <laughs> they were like, oh, I saw that play. Like, yes, but it doesn't, it's a taped, I, mm-mm. Yeah, mm, no. We didn't have good comedies uh, this year to nominate uh, Megan. <laughs> there weren't plenty of other no. options to go with. And I, I mean, hot take, I by no means a hot take, but, you know, I, I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. He is not the best part of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I think by design, like, he has yeah. a murderer's row around him. Like, it makes sense. Well, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, because isn't the Golden Globes just people being like, oh, I don't know, I like that. There's no other, like, basis to it. No, it's just... it's, it's a it's a small club that you're not even required to actually write for the territory you're representing. And it's all about, like, who gives you gifts? Who comes to the parties? Who do you want to have show up to your award show? That's what it's based on. It is not mm. based on talent or merit. They just want to fuck with things and make sure there are lots of stars in a tiny room where no one can get around one another while you're loudly eating, you know, boiled chicken to get mm. to the stage. Well, and that's appropriate well, thematically to this because in 1981, that's when Pia Zadora won for Butterfly. <laughs> because her, her, her much older husband bought off, bought off the, uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the press. Uh, what were we talking about again? I don't know. Oh yeah. But the that's fan. a movie I shouldn't have seen on cable when I was like 15. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely not. Where wow. were my parents? Whoa. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch the 76 King Kong in the 80s. And you're telling me you I, got to watch that? I did too. Do you not recall half of the Warlock episode? I had no supervision. <laughs> I was constantly just like, this movie looks artsy. I'll yeah. watch that. Man, I saw Valmont when I was 12. Meanwhile, I, I can identify cast members of TV's Amen. That's what I got. <laughs> so uh, they have this back to back. And then it ends up being like a, almost the exact same thing as the seduction. Because once she goes, all right, oh, okay, you got me cornered. Like, let's see what you got, big boy. 
And he's like, oh, um. He's like, I love you. So, I love you. I'm, I love I'm you. so Miss Sally. Sally, please be my mom and also my I, girlfriend. I have a tiny wee wee. Can we go have milkshake? <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is this about? And then I guess she stabs him in the neck somehow. I don't know how the the and then knife gets him up him. in a seat. I don't know how that part ends. It's a good I, ending maybe, shot, but it's a, yeah, he backs up into it. I couldn't right. tell you. It's so for um, Rose back. Yeah, just perfectly <laughs> sits himself. I just, want see, I just want to see. I just want to see the uh, the lead scene where she's like you know painstakingly like lugging him over her shoulder. Oh, like, uh, <laughs> put him over here. He's heavier Ugh. than he's heavier than he looks. <laughs> this is the person who couldn't lightly jog to run away from her assailant. So then, then, then you know, and she can hoist the body, just throwing him down, the, just throwing him down the, the chair like a sack lady. of potatoes. <laughs> he murdered her like assistant. I don't know what you call her dresser. I guess uh, it would be, and yeah. the poor stage manager, Pop, and uh, Pop. His name was Pop. Pop. Of course it is, and as. Every character like this in a movie ever, he's just there to listen. He just wants to hear what happened at the horse races. <laughs> he just wants to know. He just, he doesn't have money on it, but you know what? He, he gave up betting, but he still wants to know oh. because he loves the sport. And see, Patrick, you said, you said at the beginning that, that not that many people die, but this has got a pretty good body count. This has got, yeah. this has got a bigger body count than the seduction had. Yeah. Um, oh, well, that's true. I mean, let's. It's uh, just does that Stapleton's is very like dramatic leading up to it, and then she ends up being fine. Yeah, she gets a couple scrapes. Um, and then I don't think uh, the her beard. Um, I assume he lives. Well, no, no, I mean, no, no, no. She because she mentions later. Because uh, uh, his name, because his name was David. She says she said one light David died. Um, so yeah, you've got him. You've got you got the BJ guy. You've got the maid. You've got yeah. pop the dresser you, and pop. Yeah, and then, okay. and then you've got Doug. If you're counting Douglas, you got Douglas. Yeah. Okay. So if we're gonna, do we have any other uh, notes on the fan so that maybe they can do a re-edit or uh, you know someone can take it on and they're like, I'm I'm gonna make the fan awesome. What would you do for that? It's gonna be real awkward when the cops come back to the theater and just be like, so I killed him. <laughs> Because you guys were gone. Because Hector Elizondo yeah. didn't want to come to the party. I guess because James mm-hmm. Garner is back in the picture. And he's he, sad. He made all alpha male about it. Yeah. I sent the other cop away. She's going to the party early. Like, woo-woo. Like, that's fine. Yeah. She deserves it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, okay. Poor Lorenzo Paul is just there. Yeah. I just want to see. I just want to see her going into the party and like she's got like blood splattered all over, yeah, and, and she just like picks up a glass of champagne, just like throws it back. Hot I thought, love baby tonight. <laughs> I thought if there had been more time towards the end, I would have assumed that after the whole, you know, I love you, I love you, I'm crying part that, you know, as soon as she started being like, no, I get it, like it's it's I understand. Of course you do. He would have been like, wait a minute. No, you don't. But they didn't have time for that kind of like. Yeah. Role, like the collector-esque reversal of like, wait a minute. You don't like me. Very true. Uh, Gina, uh, what say you? I love it. I love it. Yeah. A wonderful <laughs> motion picture. I, I, I'm so glad that it took us two years to get you to agree to, to, to do this movie. <laughs> Just hassling you. Just hassling. 
listen, I think this was the right place to do it. After those other two films, this fits into a, a neat, tight package that we can say are our, our slasher suite or our stalker suite rather. Um, and uh, so, yeah, um, it, 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 it happened at the right time. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, so uh, let's play choose your own death venture. And that's where we decide of the deaths featured in this motion picture. If you were forced to die that way, which one would you choose and why? So up for bid, we have slashed in the swimming pool at the YMCA slashed in Lauren Bacall's closet. Um, uh, have your throat slit mid BJ and then get emulated on a rooftop. Um, slashed in a dressing room and stabbed while you're just trying to get, you know, who won the pick six from the horse races. Uh, Megan, what say you? I mean, I guess I'm going to have to go with the swimming pool because mm-hmm. I assume that was probably fast <laughs> at the very least because I don't particularly want to be slashed or stabbed or have my throat slit. Uh, and the last thing you saw was a shirtless Michael Bean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure but it was it was cloudy because it's all of that ymca water with all that uh, i chemicals gotta in it. take what i can get because sure. i die in that water and then they probably yeah. didn't even clean it before the next swimming swim time okay gina what do you got for me i'm going to say stabbed in lauren mccall's closet because i mean what, what a glam what glamorous surroundings it True. probably it probably smells really good in there, like 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 true, like yeah. like Chanel number no. five or something. <laughs> she sprays all her like scarves. Oh oh yeah, and, and let me let me you know point out that we really we left out. Speaking of the you know stabbing the housekeeper in the closet scene, that is also when the best line in the entire movie is uttered. Oh. Um, now it's weird they 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 cut, sometimes cut this line out of a. Uh, the uh if you try if you ran on amazon they cut this line out uh but it is his his final letter and he says see how easy it is to get close to you how would you like to be fucked with a meat cleaver <laughs> and i'm like not very much sir thank you yeah. <laughs> no thank you, no, thank you. That, that is a hard pass sir <laughs> Which he and also he 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 his greeting in the letter is dearest bitch, dearest bitch. which which if I still send personal emails which I don't very often anymore, they're all going they're all going to be entitled as such. Yeah. I'm starting all my tweets to you. People. <laughs> fight. All of our conversations about this episode should start with dearest bitch. <laughs> um. Yeah. What would I choose? I think. I think I gotta go out like Pop. You know, he goes out a hero, he gets stuck, he's reading, he's a stage manager. Uh it's just he wears a pork pie hat. What's not he, he's like? pretty old, he's pretty old too. He, he had a he had a good run. Yeah. The life pop lived. The loose living- children he has, some of them <laughs> who he doesn't even know about. He's been living in New York since like nineteen twenty. Yeah, he's been he's been working at he, this he, theater since 1936. He remembers you're telling he, me he didn't get some action. He, I think so. He remembers Vaudeville. <laughs> <laughs> the Burly Q. When stars were stars. 
So that just about does it. <laughs> uh, before we go, uh, Megan, why don't you tell our fine listeners uh, what you're doing now and where they can hear more from you? I am the co-host of Let's Get Weirding, a Dune podcast with my friend, Bo, uh, uh, Bo North, who we are, we read Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter. We cover it. We are coming up on our two-year anniversary and we are in the middle of covering Children of Dune, which is very exciting. It's a really good Excellent. book. And I am also a staff writer at theschool.net where I review movies and TV. All right, Gina, uh, where can people find you on these here internet? I too am a writer for theschool.net. Um, I recently covered uh, some movies from on the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, and I mostly review, I too mostly review movies and television. All right. Uh, do it today. People, check it out. We're on all your socials. Uh, we're on Patreon. Uh, we had a fun episode uh, this last month where we talked about uh, an episode of Chips where Donnie Most is hassled by his demonically possessed radio. And Elvira is the best actress in the entire thing. Um, it's called Demon uh, Rock Devil Rock? I think. Yes. I think. It's from season six. One of the characters is named Hot Dog. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we'll have more fun for you this month. And uh, next week, something cool will happen. We don't know. We're we're playing by the seat of our pains, people. That just about does it. Uh, But don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. So for Megan and for Gina and myself, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.